Welcome to In the Dark, everyone. I have a near-death encounter I have got to share with you. So hold on to your hats, and here we go. From the time I was a child, the angels told me there was something wrong with my stomach. Until the day came, they told me to go to the doctor. And he booked me in straight away for surgery when he saw what was wrong. He took out of my stomach all of the large intestine. And he took out so much of the small one. And um, that's when I died. I left my human body. I went straight to heaven. It's very hard to describe. No pain, nothing. But your soul is that spark of light of the creator. My name is Lorna Byrne and I'm from Ireland. I was born in Dublin and I spent my young life there, maybe till about seven. And then we moved to Ballymon and I loved it there too. It kind of brought you out into the countryside. We were very, very poor. Food was short. You know, most of the time it was maybe bread and jam. I remember my parents struggling, you know, for clothes for, for us children, never mind themselves. And what would I say? I wasn't getting enough. And um, I started to break out in all sores. I was mal malnutritioned in that, in that way. So things were really, really hard. One time I went to stay with my aunt and even to this day, I remember this, like they gave us breakfast one morning and it had a sausage and a rasher on it and an egg and tomato and toast. It was the biggest meal I ever saw. Like I can still see that place. You know, it, it, it was, I, I was shocked, you know, all this for me. I think at that time it just struck me how poor we were. No matter what ups and downs I have gone through, it was all part of the journey. And I believe all of that has made me who I am today. I suppose growing up, I didn't know I was different. I was a very late talker. I was maybe two and a half. I think maybe because I wasn't 
progressing in the way maybe parents expected a child to progress. Um, I was considered retarded. The doctors told my mom I was. But that again was because I am, what's that word? Dyslexic, if I'm saying it right. Dyslexic. And um, way back in Ireland then, you know, if a child was considered retarded, they were usually put into an institution. That's what was constantly said to me growing up, even as a teenager, you know, it was like, you know, keep your mouth shut. Don't let them know you're a fool or you're stupid. I went to school and I'd be put in the back of the class and the teachers would take no notice of you. And sometimes I would cry. You know, I would head off on my own out across the fields. You know, I was forever doing that. It was like as if, in a sense, growing up was I didn't exist in the human world. I suppose I have been in contact with my soul more than the human part of me. And sometimes when somebody was being cruel, you know, say something really nasty, or I would hear adults passing comments, the angels would comfort me. The angels would say to me, you know, they know no better. I see angels physically, and to me it's normal and natural. Going way back when I was an infant, I didn't know they were angels. Um, they were just, what would you say, over my cot. Angels are extremely beautiful. Their wings are so slender and so fine, you know, and they're moving so gently like silk or like mist, but they are astonishing. You know, the angels have been my best friends. They've been my teachers. Um, and everything I know, I've learned from them. They taught me how to see. Like humanly, people have lost the gift of seeing. Use only luck. You look around the room but you haven't really seen what's in the room. I'm not just looking at you. I'm, I'm looking at everything in between you and me. And it's, it's moving all of the time. It's, it's the air, it's the wind, it's, it's the stardust from the universe. It's, it's everything. And then I'm seeing the angels and loved ones as well that just come, what I, I always say, fleeting, just in for a moment and, and they're gone and maybe back in again and gone. The other incredible angel is a guardian angel and that's your angel and that's the one angel that is with you every second of your life. And I think that's something very important to remember if you're feeling not great in yourself. Remember to your guardian angel, you're unique, you're perfect. There is no one else in the world like you and it loves you unconditionally. I never went on to college because I couldn't read or write. 
but I've been educated in a different way. I suppose I've had the best teachers in the world. I've had angels um, and even souls of loved ones, you know, guiding me all the time through my life. From the time I was a child, the angels told me there was something wrong with my stomach and I always had problems. I never complained, you know, until the day came, they told me to go to the doctor. Um, so I went to the doctor and, and just told him I was having problems with my stomach. He sent me to a specialist and he done a test and he booked me in straight away for surgery when he saw what was wrong. He took out of my stomach all of the large intestine and he took out so much of the small one and um, that's when I died. I left my human body. I went straight to heaven. It was very fast for me. It was like in a moment I was there. It's very hard to describe. No pain, nothing. You're, you're perfect. It wasn't the body that was lying on a bed with nurses and doctors all around me. But your soul is that spark of light of God, of the Creator. You're part of God. And to me, that is something so incredible. I, I don't think mankind has grasped that yet. You have the choice, you have the free will to become aware of your soul. My dad was there, who I loved very much. He loved fishing. And the thing is, my dad, he wasn't old when he died, but he was way younger. His soul gave the appearance of himself being only 20. I loved the hat he had on his head. It had all these little flies that he had made. It was like as if all the other souls and angels, you know, a gap was being made slowly and I just ran to him. Even though this is my soul, because my human body wasn't there, my arms felt so human, but they weren't. This was an incredible light, you know, and I reaching out and, and throwing them around him. It was like the touching of two souls. God touching God in that sense, because that's what your soul is. Um, that was so incredible. And, and to me, like, that's one thing we don't have to worry about. Your loved ones aren't dead. It's only their body has died. Because sometimes we feel to leave a place, we're leaving them behind. But you're not. 
you can never leave them. You can go anywhere in the world or, or out into the universe and they can be there with you when you need them. You can feel the presence. You may even get a glimpse of them. You may even hear them. And, and our loved ones give us messages all the time. They're looking out for us. We shouldn't have to wait till our time comes to go home to heaven to believe. Why don't we believe now? It was like as if I was on a treadmill and I was just brought, I was just standing there and the angels that I knew were with me. They were like giants that were standing so tall and some of them would look down at me and smile and tell me to hurry up and even though they were so high up I could hear their voice so clear because I, I was way down and so was God there. And then God saying to me, Lorna, you have to go back. You have an awful lot to do. You're not to be hiding from me. That's one thing God always gives out about. Even today, he will say constantly, Lorna, why do you keep hiding from me? I do it all the time. <laughs> and I said to God, why can't I hide here? To hide here is much better than to hide in the human world. And he said, I have to stop hiding. I have to go back. I did come back. I didn't want to. I didn't like the idea, even though I love my children. And I would have left them behind. But I knew they would be fine. You only come back if you're made to come back. And I know lots of people would say, you know, why did they come back? What's this great thing I'm to do? It's so simple. It goes back to love. And yet mankind expects something greater than love. They just don't understand love. I was in intensive care for, I think, nearly two weeks. I was that bad. I was still on a breathing machine. I remember the surgeon coming around every so often. Sometimes, you know, he just put his hand in my hand. But one thing I did love was just seeing all those angels around my bed. And so many souls, I didn't even know them. It was like a march of angels and souls constantly along my bed, but they were moving thousands of them in, in, that, in that way. And I remember when they decided I could breathe on my own and they took the, you know, those tubes out and then the surgeon coming around again and he asking me my name. And he looking kind of astonished that I told him my name. Um, do you know where you are? And I said, yes, in hospital. You did the surgery on me. And he looking at me with big eyes, you know. And um, then he told me, 
Um, you know you were gone for 10 minutes. You shouldn't be able to. We were expecting brain damage. You were gone. They didn't know how they managed to bring me back. I met this beautiful young man and his name was Joe and we fell in love. One thing I always remember before we got married, you know, I was sitting in the car with him and um, the angels were telling me I should tell him. And I was very scared of telling Joe I could see angels physically. But I did what I was told. I just said to him, by the way, I see angels physically and I always remember he looks at me and he says, only priests and nuns have spiritual experiences. And he just gives me a, a, a peck on the cheek and I get out of the car and I, I, I just said to the angels, I said to God, he's gone, <laughs> you know, you were wrong <laughs> in that in that way. But of course he wasn't and, and we, we got married and lived in the little cottage in, in Maynooth and had four children. Joe's health started to go downhill. Eventually he had heart surgery, trauma bypass, he had strokes, diabetes. But I always remember getting into bed. His guardian angel was standing right there at the side of the bed and being told he's not going to wake up and I was just to lie there beside him. I got on the phone and I dialed the emergency number and I said what was happening. Just before the ambulance came I had already seen his guardian angel change position and just lift Joe's soul from his body just up and out. The room just lit up with light. But I always remember my son Niall running into the room and he doing his best to revive his dad. And I wanted to tell him, your dad's gone. You can't revive him. But I couldn't. I just, I just couldn't do that. That was really, really hard for all my family, for my children. After my husband Joe died, I always remember Archangel Michael coming up behind me and he just said, Lorna, I have a message for you. And he said, you know, God has said it's getting your time to write your first book. And I always remember saying to Archangel Michael that day, I can't even read or write. How on earth does God expect me to write even one book? Like, I thought God got it all wrong. The angels got it all wrong. They've got completely mixed up. I always remember trying to get the courage in myself to say to someone, I'm going to write. Well, I kept it a secret that I couldn't read and write except for my family 
So I, I was scared of being ridiculed and that's one thing that I gave out to Archangel Michael about and all of the angels and God, you know, I'm going to be ridiculed and laughed at, but I was told to have courage. One day a knock came on the door. This man stood there and he, I said, do you want to come in for a cup of tea and say hello? And he just said he was dropping in for a few minutes and I got a complete shock when I saw him carrying in this big box and he puts it on the table and he just said, that's for you. And he left. And to my shock, there was, I suppose, my first laptop to ever see in my whole life. And there was a printer and there was um, speakeasy. And I just turned around to Archangel Michael and that and I said, but I can't use this. And they said, it's for writing your books. Angel Elijah came one day and said, the help is going to come. And neighbors from down in the village called up the husband and wife. And I said to him, I have this computer, this laptop. He set it up. And I told him I was dyslexic, I can't read or write. And he said, don't worry, I'll show you that you only have to press one, two, three buttons. And so that's how Angels in My Hair started. People say, you know, oh, everything has changed for you in your life. But to me, I haven't changed. I'm still me. I don't have to worry now about having food on the table. To me, what I that worries me is I, I want to do everything that God and the angels have asked me. And they still haven't revealed everything to me. So I am in a state of shock as well. Like, sometimes I just say to God, who do you think I am? Like, you know, in, in, that, in that way, you want me to say this, you want me to do this. The other thing that concerned me was, you know, what should I call you? You know, God, Jesus, Allah, you know, all the names, like there's hundreds of names for God. You know, it's Blessed One is even God, Holy One is even God. Father is, Son is, there is just so many names in so many different languages and the one thing that God said to me, he just looked at me and said, Lorna, what do you call me? And I, I just looked and said, God, of course. And he just said, God is universal, that word, use the word God. One thing that God has often said, many are called few are chosen and very few of those few that are chosen say yes but a few of those that were chosen have said yes and that's how the sanctuary in Ireland has come about it wouldn't have had unless they said yes in the sanctuary now we're growing food and what we're doing with the food is you know, we're feeding as many people as we can. We 
fill boxes and we give it out to neighbours, people all around. We, we give it to food shelters for the poor. I wish I could help more people in the world. I, I know I write the books and give talks and, you know, do workshops and everything, but I can't do more unless some of those few that have been chosen more say yes. I'm always being asked about prayer. And one thing I would say about prayer is that it's very powerful. And I would often use the expression, it can move mountains, it can change the world. If, if everyone would pray a little bit more and not just for yourself or your family, but for the stranger, for someone you don't know. Lots of people would say, but how do I pray? We're praying now because we're talking of God and the angels. We're talking about mankind, about love and compassion. We're talking about our own soul. So we're actually in prayer. And to me, prayer is simple. You know, it doesn't have to be a million words. It can be one word, one thought, one action. So if you want to stand on your head and pray and dance or swing, or you want to swim, and that's your prayer of life. And you're putting that light and that hope of prayer coming from your soul out into the world. And it all connecting, all of it. We all need to give the world, this human world and every human being, hope. Because, you know, hope gives us life. Hope gives us purpose. Hope gives us, you know, the dream. Hope in, helps us, you know, to take that next step down the road. So if we would all give more hope and more love, we could change this world overnight. I know we could. I see so much good. So much good. You know, we have a lot of negative, bad things, but the love and the good outweighs that by a million times. I have never asked God, you know, what's my purpose of life? I live it because to live life is your purpose of life you know if you don't live life and go on the journey then you're missing life don't ask what's down the road go on the journey no matter how hard your life is to live is, is a precious gift you're alive like you're alive, I'm alive, we're, we're sitting here, you know, and we should be cherishing that gift that we are alive and we are experiencing as much as we possibly can open ourselves to.
What a beautiful, beautiful human being, inside and out, just beautiful. Her name is Lorna Byrne, and she wrote a book called Angels in My Hair, one of her books, the start of it. I found this just, I just can't say enough about her. It, it just, you know, made me smile. I, I talked to God a couple times, you know, through it. I just, it was just amazing to me. And I wanted to share it with you. I don't always share things that are original. You know, I, I, my job here is to sometimes to pass information along, you know, things that I run into or hear or read or, you know, see, I, I share it. So I hope you enjoyed this and, and I hope you found it as amazing and, and touching as I did. The one thing she did say that really touched me was that she grows food and she gives it to people. And that's something I have this tendency to save all my seeds. I'm, I'm always saving seeds from fruit and from vegetables and just everything. And um, it started with um, my husband telling me that you couldn't regrow seeds from the supermarket, that the seeds, you know, that they've been refrigerated and the seeds are basically dead. So I, I tested out his theory and found it to be very wrong. So I started with that and I proceeded to start growing everything, pumpkins, cherries, apples, avocados, mangoes, lemons, I mean, you name it. There's just everything I can get my hands on. And I dream of having a massive plot of land and just planting every seed imaginable and just giving food away to people that need it. I, I just think that would be the most amazing thing. I love plants and I love to, to garden and to grow house plants. And, you know, I just, I would love to have a greenhouse and, and, um, just land to, to, to help people. So I thought that was really, it was beautiful to me and just, you know, everything she said, you know, um, some people may not, you know, want to hear about the Bible or hear about the Lord, but just listen anyway, because it doesn't hurt, you know, just give it a try and listen to some near-death encounters and, you know, see what you think. You might change your mind, you never know. And I'm sure there's a lot of information that we still have yet to learn about God and and about ourselves and about everything that's going on here. I don't think it's all there yet for us. I think that there's still a lot of learning we have to do that goes beyond this planet. So it's, it's, it's an interesting journey. You guys have a wonderful night, and I will be talking to you soon. Take care.